Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first season of God Friended Me. I'll admit, when I first heard this show was coming out, I figured it was probably going to be some kind of half-hour sitcom. The title did not strike me as, this is one-hour drama quality material. It sounded like a joke. Well, and this is one that I didn't watch until after the season had ended. And I had known they had done a bit at the end that kind of could kick the second season off in a not-so-great direction. Uh, But you had talked a lot about it. Uh, Sam had mentioned uh, watching and liking it. Our dad got hooked on it at the beginning of the season. We were gone for the first several weeks of the season. And when we got back, he asked me if I could catch up on it so I could be watching it with him as it aired. And for him, it was appointment TV. I can see that. This is both a very different kind of a show but also kind of a familiar show because they're basically the the premise here is you've got an atheist uh who's a podcaster who doesn't believe in god and is is podcasting about that uh name of the show is the millennial prophet and his father is a episcopalian uh minister minister for like 25 years and they're in harlem it's all set in new york and stuff um but miles the the podcaster one day gets friended on Facebook by an account calling himself God mm-hmm. and then sends a friend request. And he's like, what's going on with that? And he follows the guy and winds up saving his life. And then one thing leads to another, leads to another sort of a deal. It's got, and you know, when you first asked me what kind of show it is and we were kind of bouncing back and forth how you describe it, it for me it's got elements of first season person of interest. Mm-hmm. You've got the who, but no details. Yeah, instead of having a crime you're trying to solve, you've got a, for lack of a better term, a suspect you're trying to investigate. Yeah, and he quickly figures out, in some respect, whether it's he has the friends, the connection, the personal drive, he can help these people, sometimes from personal experience. Well, and he learns early on with that first person, uh, John Dove, He's there to help them and to maybe either literally save them or to help them in some way. And then typically, once that's done, he gets that next friend request, although sometimes it's not immediate. Yeah. And the second one he gets is uh, Kara Bloom, who's the uh, the female lead of the show, who's a reporter, or a writer, actually, for an online source. Um, and the two kind of investigate all this stuff together. And he winds up saving her life, which by happenstance uh or you know plot contrivance take your pick the doctor john dove that he saved earlier in the pilot episode is there to save her yeah when we learn later john dove was there in a taxi the guy who was driving the taxi he was one of the ones in a later episode mm-hmm. so in this respect it reminds me a lot of a show that was i think on fox maybe in the 90s called strange luck mm. and it was about a guy who's a private investigator but just coincidences always happened to him he could not avoid the most bizarre sequence of events happening well after you had watched about the first half of the season 
You mentioned it reminded you of early edition. Yes. There's a lot of, not a lot, but there are many shows that have what I would call kind of the reluctant Samaritan. Yes. They're in a position to help. They they sometimes kind of don't want to, but they can't not help. Mm-hmm. And usually they have limited information. Yeah. Enough to be in the right place at the right time, have pieces of the puzzle, but they've still got to put it together and, and figure out what to do, how to do it. Yeah. So there's still that, that aspect of free will. It's not just be here, do this. You know, they could do a show where somebody literally gets a checkoff list every day. We'll go down to the corner of this and that and, and put a, a quarter in the meter kind of a thing. And they do it and never understand why or something. It'd be a very boring show. Whereas here, the characters know they've got somebody that they can actually help. Well, and towards the end of the season, they admit point blank, there's hope. There, the podcast evolves into being about hope mm-hmm. and things like that. And it really is, in that sense, one of those shows that you come out of feeling that uplifted feeling and hopeful feeling, even if the story revolved around somebody dying from cancer yep. and that kind of stuff. Because you have friends that fell apart 15 years ago over a stupid fight and these guys brought them back together and one of them fulfills a dying wish to the other Mm -hmm. well there's a lot of again hopeful aspects to it there are a few times where things get a little i don't say dark but but things go not so well for some people Mm. including the leads or whatnot but always in a way that they will persevere they will overcome it you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It will get better. And the character arcs over the course of the season, you know, Miles and his father not really talking early on. But the, yeah. the sister is there to kind of help them work through it. The God account, you know, helps them work through that. And we see fundamental shifts in that relationship that you can see how they're getting earned. Well, and early in the show, Miles was turning to his uncle as mm-hmm. a father figure. And as he repaired the relationship with his father, he wasn't needing the uncle as a father figure. Yeah, there were times you could see early on that the the father was uh, not resentful, but a little jealous of, you know, uh, the brother-in-law who's the the favored uncle or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Joe Morton played the father. He did a stellar job. It reminded me of watching him on Eureka. It reminded me aspects of Eureka. Uh... He played a very different character on Scandal, but again, the father figure that had fallen out of touch with the child, mm-hmm. kind of trying to rebuild the relationship. It's it's a different path on similar ground, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah, Joe Morton did a, a fantastic job, and he also directed a few episodes. Well, and his character had some good dialogue on the conversations about faith, about religion, yes. about the God account. And he and Miles have great conversations fairly early on about basically, does it matter if it's God, if it's the God account, whatever it is, what is it relevant? What is prompting you to help others and do good things? Or is what matters that you're helping others and doing good things? One of the aspects of the show that is is integral to the, the whole thing is it is an account called God with a capital G mm-hmm. that Miles totally partially because he's an atheist but partially because he's just human cynic or whatever totally believes is not God. Yeah. Now 
his dad and a few others at least toss out the possibility well maybe it, i mean maybe it could be who knows kind of a you know if you're if you're really this open minded and looking at everything don't rule that one out well and as more and more episodes happen it's kind of a okay the account happens to suggest one person that needs help okay they had what 50 50 odds that the one person they suggest needs uh, needs help. After about 15 of those, it's like, no, there's a pattern here. It's not just chance. But they also early on set up the concept of predictive analytics. Yes. As kind of, again, that supercomputer a la person of interest that was just predicting these things. And they, they play it fast and loose as to, is this, you know, something that's that's technological in origin or, you know, Particularly at the beginning when he's he's not acknowledging the friend request and he sees the actual cloud and the icon up in the sky. Yes. He does I... something that, that is kind of counter to the God account's wishes and suddenly it's pouring down rain. Yes. So there's, is it happenstance, is it not aspects? Well, one episode I actually loved was when he got fed up and Miles unfriended God. Just kind of the, I'm not your puppet. I have mm-hmm. free will. And they inference got, and then they go on this whole, he's feeling bad. Yeah. Can he only help people because God is suggesting who he help? Mm-hmm. Because he was steered in the right direction. There's definitely something behind the account. And it's, at the end of the season, they've definitely gone down the, well, it's probably a predictive analytics and kind of pull the rug out from under. They don't make... A declarative statement that it's not, just not the software in particular they were looking at. Right. We've ruled out three possible creators, or at least been strongly suggested, as long as we trust our narrator, that we've ruled them out. I don't think we've ruled them out. I just think that at least two of the, uh, pretty much all three have denied it, but it's not that their software didn't kind of take on its own creation. I mean, there's, there's, they, they could pull back to these three later if they want to. Yeah. They don't have to. But I like that it got to the point of it's all encompassing. We've got to find out who's behind the account. And at the end, it's like, you know what? We're doing good. It's all seemingly on the up and up. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal anymore. Well, and when they started having issues in their personal lives and they realized that what they were looking forward to in their days and what was feeling rewarding was the helping others. Yes. That's when they started realizing that caring who is suggesting the others that they help mattered less than the fact that the people they were helping genuinely needed the help. Well, and also when they got into, what was it, the Fibonacci spiral or whatever. That was kind of funny to me. Uh, to me, that that got it to the point where there is a a plan behind all of this. It's not just chance. And, and just the whole concept of is if there was this supernatural being, if you were to believe in such a thing, and for some reason the way they're going to choose to interact on Earth is through a Facebook account. Yes. Yes. And apparently cryptically so by only being able to like. I mean, apparently they can't type. <laughs> yes, you're right. They can like, they can recommend friends, and they can review things. But and check in. And check in. But getting an actual straight answer or something out of this God account apparently just doesn't happen. It takes really until the, I think, the finale for them to even think to, hey, I need help. Yeah. Well, what amused me was more than once, it seemed like Miles would be sitting there 
recording the podcast. And by that, I mean the microphone would be off to his left. He'd be angled to the right. There are aspects of this show where I thought him being a podcaster, certainly integral to the show, it gives a, a narrative technique for voiceover and stuff that works well. It really does. The lead actor's got a great voice for it. And I think they ought to release the podcasts. Because they've got... If they haven't, man, they really should. Yeah, that's something to look for. Because he Um, really has some some good short podcasts from each episode. But as a podcaster, I do find the, you know, the mic is off to the side and he's not talking into it. Yeah. uh, Sort of a thing. And then he's always just finishing up and then there's the knock on the door. Boy, I wish we had that kind of luck. Oh, and he wears headphones. When he's recording by himself. Now, yeah. I, I personally don't do this. I know there are some people who do, so you can hear what's actually getting recorded. I find having that kind of a playback of what I'm saying as I'm saying it, because there's always just a little bit of a delay as it's going into the computer, getting processed and coming back out. Yeah. It just throws me. You know, it's like you're interrupting yourself. But he does that, and he has yet to actually, as far as I can tell, ever click record or stop. Well, and most of the time, he has the sound waves for four or five tracks. He's got the mixer thing. He's got two microphones set up, an eight-channel mixer, and the software for it. And you usually just see the one on the far uh, left or whatever, bouncing up and down. But you never see a recording audio track. Yeah, well, you know, all these all it's these details. If he's podcasting live and he's not. Yeah. But, you know, the amazing luck he has... He can be sitting there recording a podcast that isn't even airing live. It's allegedly recording. And he can start ranting and wishing he had an answer, get really frustrated, pause as he thinks about, well, maybe I shouldn't put that out in a recording. And then, ding, God has something on the phone that will help him. There are times no sooner is he done recording than, boom, the next thing pops up on the screen. Or Clearly, somebody's listening in. Yes. Uh, what gets me is it's not just that God has friended him, but apparently God is his editor. He's never once worried about, yeah, I've still got to edit this thing and get it posted. He just sits, speaks, and he's done. And while I've got some former co-hosts who it actually worked that way for, and frankly, a few current ones, and they they acknowledge that- Yes, I do. Doing the heavy lifting and stuff. Yes, I do. To me, that's the difference between co-hosting a podcast- Yes. And actually- hosting a podcast that editing that uploading stuff like that yeah well next season i want him to get a friend request and i want it to turn out to be someone that he has accidentally been complaining about on the podcast for two or three episodes in a row because he lives in an apartment building I want it to be the incredibly noisy neighbor who's making it hard for him to record. If he's got like an upstairs neighbor who's moved in, who's like a drum player or something. Yes. And it's interrupting the podcast and then he winds up finding out. Yeah, that would be funny. There were a few times where, again, just what's the coincidence he'll bump into the old high school buddy who happens to be plugged into whatever the next adventure is and such. But that's the premise of the show. It definitely. And I will say along those coincidence lines, though, the one what are the odds that played well for me was the episode with Sharif Atkins, Mm. where we've got the homeless father, the nine-year-old kid, 
the kid has gotten so upset by how things are playing out. He's run off with the flag he wants yeah. to raise at their castle. He climbs up the roof of the little castle. The moment Miles showed him a picture oh, of yeah. a castle y- in the park. You were like, the kid's going to run off to that. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Th- there's an aspect of this show, and I don't want to, I don't mean to downplay the writer's room for this show at all, but there's an aspect of the show where it almost writes itself once you've kicked off that first domino. There are things that perfectly make sense. Nine-year-old kid, let us offer them visual bait. They will fall for visual bait. Cue perfect time for them to fall for visual bait. I mean, because it's human nature. What I like is, on a few occasions, like the, the, oh, he sees the castle, he's going to go to the castle. Most of them are not that telegraphed. No, but what I liked was the follow-through on that one, Mm -hmm. where when the kid nearly had an accident, and then we get to the end, and the park ranger guy comes running up saying, I'm so sorry, we're stretched thin, we're understaffed. We've been trying to hire people. And this is a guy who needs a job And has the skills. Yeah, yeah. And- Getting him a job where, okay, he can't move his kid into a castle, but he can guard a castle that his kid can now play at any time. Mm-hmm. It's got the poetry and the beauty that fits the concept of the show. Well, and this is by Greg Berlanti, who's doing all the different, you know, CW superhero shows and such. There was a definite aspect of these are the everyday superheroes. Yeah, I mean, this God account is the replacement for the superpower yeah you know because all of these shows at their core are somebody's in trouble somebody needs help Mm -hmm. now sometimes you're trying to stop somebody and it's focused more on the villain than than kind of i don't say the victims but you know what i mean well several times there was very much a someone's on the verge of making a bad decision in at least one case someone's on the verge of committing a crime not even because they need to it's less than it's it's almost a crimeless police procedural template. I'm thinking about the one with the apartment building that was going to be sold. Well, yeah, there's there's stuff that's going to negatively impact people, or well, people are having problems. But in most cases, it's not like they're trying to solve a murder or a robbery or something like that. True, but in the one with the apartment building, the father was framing the daughter for a jailable yes, offense. There was definitely some crimes that have happened over the course of the season. You know, but. Our people step in, they become aware of what's happened, and I'm trying to think how- That episode would have played pretty much the same way if the father hadn't been trying to cover up a historic landmark. Yeah, you're right. And at that point, it becomes the take the police procedural kind of a show, take out the, the, the law and crime aspect, and you're still trying to make right. Yeah. But it's now on an interpersonal level. It's on a somebody's got a decision point in their life. They were both adding weight and making the daughter feel betrayed by the father and shifting her to her brother's side. And as a sister, I'm telling you, we should never need to feel shifted to our brother's side. Damn straight. You should always be on your brother's side. (laughs) Okay. Just, you know, a little bit of commentary. I just want to point out it was the sister who was in the wrong in that episode. (laughs) That's what I get. That's 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 the takeaway. <laughs> okay. But, but no, I like that in the situations like that, our leading characters, which is mostly Miles and Kara with Rakesh. Rakesh is, is definitely the third lead. I say the supporting characters are uh, Miles' uh, father, 
sister, uh, Rakesh's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, Kara's got a couple. Uh, mm-hmm. Later, it's the uh, editor-in-chief. Uh, otherwise, it's the friend. There was the person she'd reported to initially who very much vanished. Yeah, her not mom and relevant. half-sister. Yeah, they were the early on. Yeah, the mom was definitely and that a was... key aspect of, of Kara's uh, arc. Yeah. Well, and Kara's family kind of went to the side when uh, the future stepmom for Miles came in. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of a which family can we focus on more. But I like that our guys come in and they can kind of help people see a way through yeah. to a better path. Well, and there are times where not being in the thick of the problem gives you just enough distance to have the perspective. Yes. It's always easier to kind of help somebody else see something, whereas if you were going through the exact thing, you can't always see as clearly f- from inside the situation. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the, the crime-free aspect, I do want to point out that many, many crimes were committed during this this show, mostly by the leads. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I want to see a God-made-me-do-it defense at some point. Well, and what's really, really bad about that is where they work. They work at Identity Seal, which is an identity theft place. And apparently there's no security. Anyone can walk in day or night. And walk out, because Miles apparently still works there as of the end of the season, but has yet to to really log any hours on his customer service headset. Well, we've seen him at his desk once or twice out of 20 episodes. Oh, certainly, but that was more in the first half than the later half. True, true. There's an aspect of when you're on a TV show, I don't care what day job you have, unless you're a lawyer or a doctor in a lawyer or doctor show... You never have to show at the office. Yeah, it felt like that. Now, the, the 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 exceptions to that rule are, of course, supporting characters. Dad's always at the, the yes. church. He Sister's is. always at the bar she works at. Yeah. Um, Future stepmom is frequently at her music shop. But also frequently, which she seems to run alone, frequently yeah. leaves that unattended or closed to go visit uh, dad. That's true. She's, so, she's a very supportive girlfriend. To me, that's all... Uh, narrative of uh, narrative, I don't want to say techniques, but license, license, yeah, poetic license, whatever. Of yeah, day jobs don't matter. This is what happens when you have writers who I think perhaps have never had regular office day jobs. Imagine what it's like. Well, and at one point in one of the last four episodes, we were just amazed how fast people could drive from upstate New York. Back into uh, Harlem. There are a few times where getting across town seems fairly quick and easy. And it's interesting because I have yet to really get a solid sense of where the church is versus dad's place versus Miles's place versus the bar. And That's a very good point. I mean, they're clearly in the vicinity. That's what I've been assuming. They seem to all be walking distance. Nobody has a car they're hopping into. Yeah. Or even hopping on a train or something. Yeah. It would be nice if they had, even just once, we'd followed them from the church walking down to the bar or vice versa or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not mandatory. I get why they don't do it, but getting a sense of, of even if um, when they were mapping out where they'd had the friend requests or whatever. Yeah. If they, well, here's the church, here's this, you know, would have been nice. Really, I think for me, the aspects of the show that I enjoy... The positive, feel-good message. Yes, definitely. Always nice. Um, the lead, two lead characters, 
young, uh, uplifting, mm-hmm. and trying to do the right thing. The budding romance over the course of the the season, well done. Um, the one who plays Kara was Jesse Quick over on The Flash, and this is uh, she did fine there. This is a way better role for her, and she's doing a great job. Yeah. Well, they both have very good characters that they're playing really well. They both had, I don't want to say childhood traumas, but childhood incidents in the backstory. I would say trauma. Uh, Miles lost the mother when he was eight, and when Kara was a similar age, her mom left. Yeah. So, because they have that in the backstory, because they have, in their opinions, worked through it and come into a good adulthood. Although we see a lot of the working through in the course of the season. Exactly. And I enjoyed seeing the working through during the season. I liked how it played out. I felt on Miles, they did a really good job when they went to the amusement park. When they did the amusement park and also when the friend request was for the drunk driver who killed his mother. Yes. Yeah. And just, this to me is where the show was well constructed. The trauma in Miles's life with the mom isn't just that she died but that she was sick uh made a a recovery and then gets hit by a a drunk driver going home from the hospital Mm -hmm. it powers a lot of aspects of miles relationships with his father Mm because his father kind of you know retracted and stuff at that point well his father threw himself into the church which is part of why miles withdrew from the church the whole incident leads to miles uh, becoming an atheist Mm mm-hmm having the falling out with the father. And there's no animosity. They just don't see eye to eye because dad wasn't there when the kid needed him sort of a deal. Yeah. The the episode when they went to, I guess, Coney Island or whatever and the Cyclone roller coaster and stuff, we get the backstory. Mom would take me up on my birthday or whatever. Uh, That next year I was going to be big enough to finally go on it. You didn't take me, dad. Yeah. You know, and just uh, it pulls at the heartstrings. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And unapologetically. Well, and they do such a great job by explaining that it's not necessarily that Arthur turned into a bad father. I mean, no. you, you define a bad father as a drunk and abusive, that kind of thing. But what Arthur did was he turned so full force to God, both as his occupation, but also for comfort, that he accidentally turned away from his son when his son needed him to be reaching out to him. Having another family where the father was trying to do the right thing for the father, thinking it was the right thing for the child. Yeah. And then having, you know, Miles be able to tell his father, what was right for you was not right for me. Yes. And again, everybody goes through that kind of a thing in in different ways. Well, and later in the season, having an episode where Miles is trying to interact with a couple whose daughter passed away at age 10. And he's like, I've been in a different position. I've been on the other side of this. I don't know what they're going through. Yeah. And having the sister, uh, Miles' sister, not only be uh, a bartender, but also a psychology major. Yeah. And there's the outside chance she's behind the God account. That'd be funny. Just as it's a psych experiment. They tossed that out early on as a, a, a potential. I don't think that's where they're going, but you never know. Uh, but having her as the, the psychoanalyzer of the group and fairly insightful, mm-hmm. but not that's her domain and nobody else can do it. Because again, uh, the love interest for uh, Miles's father, very quick, early and clear insights into his father. Yeah. You know, this isn't working for him. Here's why. Mm-hmm. And 
I like how none of that just seemed like magical. It's like, well, how do they know that? No, it's like you could you feel the chemistry building, you see the relationship going, you you know they're spending more time than we're seeing together. Yes. Yeah. And while there is a I mean, this is again with the the reluctant Samaritan kind of genre, if you will, there's a phrase that a variation of in some way, shape, or form shows up that doesn't show up as much or really at all in, say, your average police procedural. And that's the, so have you already met? Yeah. Yes. Because there have been a couple of times, Miles will knock on a door, the door opens, oh, it's you. Mm -hmm. How did you find me? What are the odds? Well, I was here for another reason. You know, when uh, he stops a a shoplifter, and then that's the one that has the the daughter, the the Coney Island was the shoplifter. Yep. Um, there were a few others where that kind of a hap- uh, kind of thing happened. Well, uh, they were trying to find a guy named Noah. And they wind up basically down the hall from somebody they'd had. Fliss. Fliss a few episodes earlier. Yeah. And it's a, well, what are you doing? And it turns out in her episode, she thought she was going to find her long lost love. Didn't. He's gay. Or did, but he's gay. But now... When there, she's hanging around as as he's finding this Noah guy to go solve some other I don't say case but situation. It turns out she kind of falls in love with Noah at first sight. Yeah, and it's one of those things. Just with a line or two of dialogue, it's like, well, I see where that character's going. Mm-hmm. I liked how they did some of the callbacks. Yeah, her coming back, the private investigator coming back, the cab driver coming back, uh, the doctor uh, John Dove coming back a few times. Mm-hmm. Never overdone but enough that it's like again that feeling of there's a grand plan yeah you know? well and that feeling that miles is keeping in touch with at least some of the people he helps and he's kind of creating a network one of the things i was hoping for at the end and i've had the same hope for pretender and various other shows where it's one of those almost nomads going and meeting different people every episode is that by the end of the season something bigger happens and man if we only knew a this or that and a the other it's well actually i do yeah well how would you know uh, a taxi driver a, a, an organ donor doctor a a, a violin teacher a, a music store owner a, a, a residential community that's got some room for another people a park ranger you know well in fact you mentioned that it would have been a nice and small callback if they had pointed out that uh the father with the nine-year-old got a place not in just any building but in the one where we'd seen such a tight-knit community yeah hey i think i can hook you up and it may even come with free babysitting yeah yeah that would have that would have been nice and man it would have just taken one character to basically be there as they're you know loading the stuff into the apartment of hey yeah yeah we can float you till you know because miles and, and Kara recommend you you can pay the first month, you know, two yeah. weeks after your first paycheck or something. Yeah. Um, and that's one that I want to see that character come back again. One, because the actor's great. He was on yes. White Collar for many years. Uh, but also because there's the I'm going to pay you back the loan. Mm-hmm. Because that was one of the few episodes where Miles is full hardcore press on the Samaritan aspect. Well, and that was one of the episodes where I was sitting there going, okay, technically he's working at Identity Seal. Not that we see him putting in any hours there. But the podcast, according to him, isn't reaching that big an audience, doesn't seem to be making him much money. And he's handing over 400 bucks to get the guy's car out of impound, 
looks like he's ready to hand over 40 bucks for the school field trip. Not that we see it happen. I have yet to figure out how he's making any money on the podcast because he does not seem to have monetized it in any way, shape or form. I mean, I don't know what this whole free verse thing is, but yeah, but that's where I'm at. Clear up front, they weren't going to pay a whole lot. Yeah, that's what I thought. So it's a magic money system in God Friended Me. Like many things, there are some writers who understand some of the stuff and not so much. I think they're also that way on the coding because some of the coding Rakesh does is is just shy of magic. He's a fun character. I believe that actor might have been in the life of Pi. Oh, interesting. I've been not playing to watch the tiger. Yeah, I kind of figured, but I've been meaning to watch that one. That's that's on my list too. I'm not sure if I've got it floating around here somewhere or not. We need to hmm. check. If not, yeah. I should get it. Great overall cast. Um, if you're one of those that's annoyed by the uh, shocking coincidences or, or stacked up stuff, they have that here, but not in an offensive way. And they they lean into well, what are the odds? Of course, it's going to be this person. Mm-hmm. You know, the God account is orchestrating this. It builds, it, it plays into the mystique. Well, and they do it as a mystique as opposed to a conspiracy. Yes. And I think that's why it worked for me. This isn't an evil conspiracy. It's an angelic conspiracy. Yeah. Now, I, I do think one of the things that could happen next season or a season or two after that is to have an account called Devil Friending People. Well, at one point, I basically asked you, are they basically trying to introduce a devil character? Because you... The editor-in-chief? Yeah, we suddenly had Kara's editor-in-chief prodding her to do things that were contrary to the best interests of A, the God account, and B, the podcast. Yeah. Well, and Kara's article series. And she ended up losing her job. I think they could have built that arc a little bit better. If they had had a few more, hey, the editor-in-chief's starting to take notice, you're, you're getting on their radar, and then boom, when he shows up, it's not like, oh, I didn't realize there was an editor-in-chief. She's just posting directly, you know? Yeah. So, I also never got a clear understanding of, of the catapults, uh, that website's business model either, but it didn't really matter. Um, and even though we rarely saw or heard any of her Akara's articles, they sold the, she's a good writer. Yes. Fairly well. Yeah. So where they left the season with her heading off to Paris uh, and somebody else kind of coming in, having been friended by God and getting, you know, Miles as a friend suggestion, a little off-putting, not not panic-inducing. No, but I didn't care for it, which is funny because I'd actually heard some positive buzz about it, the ending. I had heard that it, it made it seem like they could flip the cast next season. I felt like they could flip the cast next season even before that. I, th- I was whether they that could and whether they should are two different things. Definitely, but I felt like they set up the option back at the bar. The moment they said Rakesh is getting his own R and D. Yes, all your dreams come true, kids. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There was that, but so much of the series was about Miles's journey, Rakesh's journey, Kara's journey. That the God account facilitated that, and while we spent a lot of time searching for the God account, we never got any answers. It wasn't about the God account, it was about the characters. But I guess my point is, in the bar, I felt like we were sending those three characters in three different directions. I didn't feel that way because there was nothing to say that Miles couldn't take the podcast on the road. 
well, we know that and we believe that. But the way they were talking in that bar scene, they seemed oblivious to the fact a podcaster can move. True, true. I just was expecting near the end a, a friend, you know, request or actually a, a check-in or whatever, you know, the Eiffel Tower or something. Yeah, yeah. So that would be interesting. And actually, I, I think it'd be hilarious if they started the next season with Miles basically deciding he's going to go to Paris too. They're on the plane. And right before the uh, got to shut the cell phones off, he gets a friend request and it's like the stewardess or something or somebody else in the plane, you know. And now they've got to do it sans help. Well, you've got that. I mean, they've got to do something about this girl they brought in that's been friended. And I mean, maybe that's why Miles feels he can leave. He can go to Paris because she's got New York. It could be. I just don't think they're going to relocate the show. I it's don't think so too either. set in Paris. Or too set in New York to, yeah. to move it to Paris. Well, conceptually, it could work. All of the infrastructure we built up kind of goes away. Yeah. it To me, the that final few moments where the girl walks up just basically said, I know you thought all the characters that you met this season mattered, but Shatter. Yeah. And it seems like she could be recurring or regular next season. I don't want her in place of Kara, because I thought they did a really good job on that relationship with Miles and Kara. I don't see anyone I want her in place of. Rakesh, Miles, Kara, the sister. Jaya, the Rakesh's girlfriend. Um, but they with Jaya, they, they showed they could do a long-distance relationship. And I liked how, at times... You would have the regular image and then an id set of a phone and you see the FaceTime kind of a deal or mm -hmm. the texting back and forth or the friend request. So visually they did some cool stuff, but they've got a good chemistry and a good cast that I don't think it, it it's not the least bit broken and in need of repair. So changing up the dynamic, there is risk involved. But if you also look at the other Berlanti shows, tossing that new character in every season happens. Yeah. I mean, to me, the closest analog of all the Berlanti shows is Flash. I was afraid you were going to say Legends of Tomorrow. No, no, not at all. Um, to me, there's enough Joe as the father figure versus uh, uh, Arthur as the father figure in, in God Friended Me. Um, you've got the, the happy, cheerful lead with the tragic past. Mm -hmm. So Barry versus Miles. The, the, the reporter love interest, Iris and Kara. Mm -hmm. Um the, the tech geek friend of, of Cisco or uh, Rakesh, you know, there are a lot of parallels. Not to say it's a carbon copy. It absolutely is not. No, but I see what you're saying. Um, I thought you were saying they were going to follow the Legends of Tomorrow model of at the end of every season, we just throw two or three characters out the airlock. No, but if you look at Flash, they frequently brought in a new character or so every season. Maybe just for the season. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious where they're going with this. Uh, it was a 20-episode season, but it was easy to go from episode to episode to episode. Mm -hmm. It was not... There are some shows that even if while I'm loving it, it's, man, this is a little exhausting. Yeah. No, this, this is a relaxing watch. A relaxing, a little more almost recharging kind of a thing. Because, again, it's a positive, uplifting. Things will get better. There are people that are willing to help. Well, it's a show where you come out of it saying problems are solvable. Mm-hmm. There was at least one episode, I watched it with Dad, and at the end of it, we're like, we know somebody who needs to watch that episode. Yes. it It's relevant, it's relatable, and it, it makes you feel like 
if you're in that type of situation, it's going to be okay. And not just okay, it can come out better than you thought, as opposed to worst case scenario, which you were fearing. What's interesting is the lead character here is a millennial, you know, what, 25-year-old-ish black man in New York who's a podcaster and an atheist, none of which I would use as terms to describe my father. Mm. But I can also see how dad could have related to this character. Yeah. Because dad was the type that could see where people needed help, be able to help coach them and, and steer them in the right direction, make the right connections and stuff. So I can see where this story, you know, uh, piqued his interest or whatever and could see the fun of the story and, again, how it could actually, I don't say play out in real life, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and it does a pretty good job of not hitting religious issues per se. Deals with religious issues without preaching. Yeah. It presents different sides of the issues. It. Faith versus science, what is faith, what is faith versus religion. By having the podcast, by having the dynamic between Miles and his father, it really opened up a lot of opportunity for those things. Mm -hmm. You know, by having Rakesh and the tech side of it, the whole, you know, is it a predictive algorithm that's, that's just somehow magically predicting all this stuff? Could you have a computer so sophisticated? And, and looking at it from various different angles, and they're almost becoming the point of, well, if it's a predictive algorithm, is it God? Is it different? Yeah. You know, without getting too heavy-handed on any of that. And the the sheer irony of them working at an identity protection service and constantly digging up people's information, mm -hmm. uh, not lost on me. Yeah. It was kind of funny. It's one that I was curious at the beginning, could it really last a full season and keep going? Particularly given how much progress they appeared to be making on, well, who's behind it? Yeah. And I hope it's not one that goes the path of person of interest where the show you had at the beginning and the show you have at the end were almost revolutionary, not evolutionary. Yeah. Well, I don't want the show to get distracted by the question of who's behind the God account. I felt they ended the season such that they could just put that behind it. It's like, we don't know. Yeah. The question is, can they keep Miles an atheist? for the journey or does he come out of it a believer mm. well then you have the secondary question though of what would he be believing in because he definitely differentiates between god and the god account absolutely and i think he would have faith in a better tomorrow mm. and i could see him over a few seasons starting to i don't say disbelieving its predictive algorithm but open to the possibility of it is god to the point of even if it turns out to be, you know, well, here's the code. You can read it yourself. Still believing that's a manifestation of God, much like his father would have. Yeah. Because the Arthur character is very much a, you know, God manifests itself in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. And again, having that dialogue, having that exploration of it without being heavy handed over the, you know, either theological or anti-religion, I liked. Yeah, very much. You know, it hit a very nice tone. It did. It did. It was reasonably balanced. It's one that there have been some shows that are so religiously inspired that you just you can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. And this is one that is both religious friendly and atheist friendly. Yeah. And again, the concept of a devil account that's the same idea but malicious. 
Mm-hmm. Um, could be fun to introduce, could be really dangerous to introduce in terms of it could really undercut a lot. Yeah. So I, I don't want them to do it, but I could see where the temptation would be there. Yeah. And the other thing is they could always branch out and now, gosh, suddenly Kara's friended too. And they could be working multiple cases or something. See, that's why I got to wondering when Kara was saying that the God account isn't just yours. Mm-hmm. Who else has the God account friended? Because we only seem to know of Miles. Up until the girl at the end. Yes. And that may be the first clue as to there's more behind this than, than he realized. It's not just him. Although, given he mentions it on the podcast all the time, you'd think somebody would have listened and said, hey, what about me? Yeah. So, Dunno. I'm curious. Um, I hope they, they have a strong start and a game plan for the next season. I enjoyed this. I thought it was a fun ride. The end looked as if it was a risky direction to go in. If they've got a solid game plan, I'm good with it. If it works for me, I'd hate to think they got to a point where it's just, man, they, they, they made the wrong turn. Yeah, me too. But most shows don't kind of go down that path. Well, what reassures me is they got a second season, and usually they have to kind of go to the network and argue this is what we plan to do with it. Yes, they usually want to, well, what's your fifth season plan or whatever. Yeah, so if they sold the network on, you know, it's not as scary as you think, here's what we plan to do. Yeah, but man, I'd love to have been in the room when they had to make that explanation for person of interest. So true. Because that one that, I get they needed to, to amp up what's going on with the machine and stuff, but to have competing AIs, and they, that got so tech-based and so away from the twist on the procedural. If you know the who, but not the what. Yeah, but Whereas part normally of, you know the what, not the who. Part of what happened there was they started playing on the fears within America of hacking. Yeah. And, I mean, they even at Comic-Con, they had those key cards for person of interest that said, told ya. Yeah. That had all the weapons that were hackable listed. And they were playing on WikiLeaks and just all those fears that were such a part of society at the time. Well, and again, I like how they make allusions to it could be listening in or whatever, but not in a paranoid kind of way. But almost as a how else can you explain it? It was almost like someone decided first season person of interest was too naive for our society at the time. And if somebody says that about God friended me, I will be very upset because I like this wholesome show. It's just having spent a season trying to find out who's behind the God account. Can they end the series without resolving it? And can they end the series with a good resolution to it? I hope they had the resolution in mind before they started. Yes. If they did not, I think they made a mistake. Yeah. Anyways, I recommend it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was uh, easy to to go through once I started. I really enjoyed it and look forward to the next season. Yeah, I agree. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.